Sorry, I got nervous there. <laughs> and we're off. And we're back. I hope that I hope that part just gets included in here. Ryan, put that in. Uh, Father Sean admitted to being nervous. So we are back. Um, this week, we have a special guest, which has already um, been said. But Father Brian is acting all sorts of silent this week and is on a silent retreat with right. Father Jason Wunsch. Oh, I love that That's guy. Right. And Father Will. I think they're all down together being super quiet in Arizona, right? It's hard to imagine the three of them together and actually being quiet. <laughs> but but that's the goal of a silent retreat. Yeah. You know? you know, I am still trying to wrap my head around um, a truly silent retreat. I'm sure it's phenomenal. I've never done it. Therefore, I should probably do it. It's just a, uh, man, that would be just so challenging. Yeah. I think they're challenging to get into, particularly like your first retreat, but even like the actual retreat itself. So yeah. uh, priests are asked, uh, this is canon law, so priests are required to do a silent retreat every year yeah, for five days. And um, our archbishop has, uh, you know, kind of asked that we do that as well um, in very particular ways. But anyways it's always like the first couple of days of retreat. Like you realize how tired you are. You realize how stressed you are, but then like day three through day five, you're just like, you're into it. And then you get to day five and you're just like, do I have to speak again? Can I just stay yeah, here forever? Does this have to end? Right. Man. When was the last time you went on one? Uh, my last one was my canonical retreat. So canon law also requires a, um, Five day silent retreat before you get ordained. So I did oh, wow. one right before my diaconate ordination and right before my priestly ordination. So I went on in January of 2020. 2021. So, oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Ago. This year. Wow. Because yeah, I got ordained a priest in May. So yeah, silent retreat, canonical retreat was January. And then my next retreat will be March of 2022. So cool. I, uh, I can't remember if I've told this story on the podcast, but I did a, bike ride from lords to lords with father mike rap that's which, right yeah uh starting here in denver and went up to um georgetown georgetown right via bike and uh man and back and that was quite the experience but i think probably my only uh which i wasn't willingly entered into this but he started off the first hour of the bike ride in silent prayer that's right. And yeah. I remember being like, dude, I think he's mad at me. I like, I, he's not saying anything to me. He didn't tell me he was going to go silent. Right. And then I was like, man, if this is how it's going to be, I didn't bring headphones. I would have worn headphones on this bike ride. This right. is miserable. Um, and it was, you know, that's, it's a challenge, but I hope FB loves it and comes back energized from yeah. a few days of silence. So here we are with Father Sean, though. Here we and, are. And here you are. That's I love that story though because I can just totally picture uh, like Father Mike starting off and just like not telling you oh yeah we're gonna do a holy hour by the way <laughs> and especially if you're not used to the silence I could totally see it like whoa is Father Mike mad at me like what's going on here that's right but, I was so confused and he was like in power mode too so he started out strong so I'm just behind him and just like gosh this is gonna be a very tough experience yeah. And it was. It was yeah. no matter what. I mean, that's that's a serious bike ride. So for those who don't know the geography, you're looking at about 
50 miles one way mm -hmm. and all uphill so i don't know maybe three thousand feet of elevation yep. you're going from you know mile high city so about five thousand feet to maybe like nine thousand feet is georgetown so almost four thousand feet of elevation gain but the nice thing is back down it's all downhill with the exception of um Floyd Hill. Floyd Hill. I didn't think about that. Yeah. That's right. So I was all pumped because I'm like, oh, it's going to be downhill. Like, I just got to focus on one way. Mm. And then coming back, all of a sudden, I was hit with another like two or 3,000 feet, two, about 2,000 feet of climbing. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I was not happy. It was a very long day. I don't day. blame you. Yeah. That I is a long day. I've never done that ride, but maybe <laughs> one day. So. I told the staff that day. I was like, ah, yeah, we're going to be gone. We're leaving at like, I think we left at like 6 a.m. And then... It's like, I'll be back by like noon, one, I'll finish the work day. I got back at like 5.30. Holy cow. Yeah, it was long. Dude, yeah. You can ask me. That was intense. Um, so yeah, I have, a, I have a quick shout out. This is a cool one. This is my test to see if sure. he listens. Um, my best friend from Hawaii, uh, good old RJ Brown. And uh, he has been listening to the podcast. Sounds like a football name. It is. He was a stud. Yeah. He's a below average stud if he's listening. Otherwise, if he's not listening, yeah, he he was a guy that walked on it to you from Hawaii and ended up getting a scholarship and team captain and um, was just kind of one of those stories. And then unfortunately, he had to quit because of too many concussions. But now he's a uh, a lawyer slash judge out in Hawaii, and it's it's pretty exciting. So him and his family, his wife Ricky and the kids, it's they're yeah. the best. That's great. Yeah. So did you play with him at CU or what? I did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, and, and he was a year older than me, but, um, you know, I went through a lot of ups and downs in my journey at CU and yeah. we always joked of, um, every day he would convince me not to quit. <laughs> it was, he kind of saved me in that journey. Um, and we just had the best talks and I've always looked up to him and now as a, I mean, what he's accomplished, um, outside of football but also just who he is as a man and, and a father yeah he has four little boys now and wow it's just it's awesome oh that's cool so there's my shout out you got anyone on the spot do we going... normally give shout outs yeah sometimes you don't have to um i mean who would i be if i didn't shout out to my mom there it is susan conroy yes the one and only that's right mrs conroy i haven't met her she's great she uh lovely mom best mom in the world you know there it is uh she is from new orleans oh so she loves to cook her cajun food and yeah probably the best cook i know and i'm not just saying that it's definitely legit true. might have to be a gala item that'd be dinner fun. with <laughs> your mom and father sean cajun food we could do that that'd that would be, be super fun that would be awesome we need to get her at like the christmas party oh her parents there would be awesome yeah yeah, we could. I know we're planning to. It's it, so priests. It's always hard with priests and families because the main holidays priests are working. You know, totally. and by the time the, this is what happened last Easter, I went home uh, after like four or five masses on Christmas, and there was also extra masses because of COVID, not right. having the proper spacing. Oh, that's right. Or needing the proper spacing. So by the time Easter was over and we had the Easter vigils, or um, and everything. I was just so beat by the yep. end of the day, but I decided to go to the uh, family's house. I was not fun to be around. Just I was like grumpy this, yes. and tired, <laughs> exhausted. 
you know, I had like one beer and then I'm just like passed out yeah. on the couch because I was so tired. So the, the good thing is Thanksgiving's coming up. Thanksgiving is like the perfect priest holiday because it's not a religious holiday. Um, so we have one mass, you know, on Thanksgiving oh, right. morning yeah. and then we're free the rest of the day. So oh, parish awesome. offices are obviously closed. So yeah. yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And I mean, I, I was up at Patrick's house a few weeks ago because I said I never get to watch football anymore. That's right. Because I work on Sundays. And so it was just super fun to watch football with you. But now Thanksgiving's coming. I'm like, we're going to watch some football. Yes. So I'm looking forward to it. That would be a Thursday night game? Yeah. I mean, there's three games on Thanksgiving, right. right? The Cowboys yeah. always play. and Yep. Um, who else always plays? Detroit normally. Lions, that's right. Yeah. That would be a fun game to watch. They're horrible. Uh, <laughs> right. So anyways, a gala item. Maybe yeah. my mom could cook for... Some people who want Cajun food. That's right. I always, I always it found it so interesting. I mean, yeah, when you guys, when priests get ready for, especially Christmas and Easter, I mean, that is, that's your Super Bowl. I mean, it is absolutely a marathon of, right. remember the first time I went through it with FB and that was intense. I was blown away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this year will be interesting too, because uh, Christmas is on a Saturday. Yeah. And then we go right back into Sunday liturgies the next day. Woo. So it'll be Friday night all the way till Sunday evening. Yeah. Just mass after mass after mass. So. <laughs> but we have three priests. I mean, but it's, it'll be busy. You're right. It is, is the it's Super Bowl of, of, for us. So. Well, so when this comes out, this will be the day. So we're recording it uh, the week before Thanksgiving. And we'll come out uh, the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah. And what I want is so. What I wanted to kind of focus on today is as I was thinking about Thanksgiving and gratitude and being grateful, mm. um, what we've started to do for the listeners, what we've started to do here at Lords for a little while now, um, is every Wednesday we do, or not every Wednesday, once a month, we do a staff holy hour. And one of the priests will lead us in um, kind of guided prayer for that, which is huge for me because the concept of a holy hour is still very overwhelming. Right. and. Um, I have no idea what to do. So having guidance and last week you guided us through, um, a, a really impactful holy hour mm. and it was all new to me. I'm sure most of our listeners will know what it was. I was trying to describe it to Steph and I just don't know the white right wording or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and so one, I I'm hoping we can, you can at least just kind of walk us through that. And my bigger question, and as I was thinking about gratitude and Thanksgiving, was kind of the opposite. Mm. And something that happened during our holy hour, um, and in one of the sections that you'll help me explain here, uh, yeah. but that you we took time to just have a conversation um, with God. And what started to come up for me is there's a lot going on in my life. And as I've, um, with the baby and Gianna and, um, you know, I'm very open about the fact that I go to a therapist and all this kind of stuff. And I think everybody should just in general, but I've, I've been kind of going through a lot in my mind of things that I faced as a kid and, um, things that were out of my control. Like if I do something dumb now, it's like, okay, that was on me. Um, there was a lot that I think, you know, unlike anybody, you go through things as a child and in a way it seems unfair. And as I've gone through life, it kind of feels like life somehow kicks me in the teeth all the time. And a lot of that has been 
coming up. So in that long story short, that what was coming up for me was I was actually really mad mm. um, with God. Yeah. And there was a part of me that I was just like, I don't know if this is okay. I don't know if I can actually go to prayer and say, why are you doing this to me? Right. Like I am, you know, expected one thing, it didn't happen and um, unfair circumstances, like what the hell did I do? Why is this possible? Yeah. Um, and then in that moment, you actually had said, like, you were like, look, if, if you're having this conversation and it's, mm. it's good, it's bad, it, it could be anything. And right. I was like, whoa, like, maybe this is okay. So the question being, one, kind of help me explain what the process was that we did in that holy hour, but two, can you go to God and be mad yeah. and, and kind of express life? As if I was having a conversation with Steph, I would you know, we, she's mad at me all the time for dumb things that I've done, but, right. um, you know, can you do that with God? That's, uh, that's kind of where I would love your advice on this. Sure. Yeah, no, I, those are great questions. And, um, yeah, so to touch on that as well, um, part of father Brian's, <clears throat> excuse me, his vision for the staff and the office is we're on mission together, spreading yep. the good news in order to be on mission together, we have to pray together. Yeah. And so, I mean, we'll do small prayers, you know, like before meetings, if we eat together, um, whenever we're together as a staff, we'll pray like, you know, a Hail Mary or whatever. I mm -hmm. shouldn't scoff at that. Like we pray a Hail Mary, which are really important things. Uh, but unless we have silent prayer, like we're not really growing with the Lord. So like even your example of Father Mike on the bike, it's like, how do I even do this quiet thing? And and the worst part about that is he didn't even tell you that you were going to do a whole That's hour. right. And had you had you been in that headspace of like, oh, I'm going to have an hour on the bike of just being in silent, you would have been a little bit more prepared to be like, okay, what do I need to think about? What do I need to take to Jesus? What does Jesus want to? Um, how does he want to touch my heart today? Yeah, you know. So I I think it's I think it's super interesting, um, primarily because especially with my background of just becoming Catholic within the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I even just struggle with in general, um, like meditation, yeah. sitting down and actually just doing quiet, secular thinking of the universe or whatever you're doing. Yeah. But there are apps like it, you know, you have those guided meditations or right. whatever. Yeah. So all of a sudden jumping in, like it's still not second nature to me to right. do a bless us. So Lord, before I eat, mm -hmm. a lot of times I'm like, Ooh, sure. missed that. Totally forgot. Or right. like today we had a meeting with a staff meeting and I just started rambling right. and you're like, cool, can we uh, kick it off with some prayer? And I was like, yep, not, yeah. not in my normal wheelhouse. Right. And so, yeah, all of a sudden diving into like silent prayer with Jesus and hearing what he has to say, it's a, it's a learning curve. Right. It's something it practice. Right. But it's uh, still something trying to get used to. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I think um, just a, I always feel like we talk about way too much on this podcast, um, at least when I'm on. I don't That's know if you would have do. Yeah. No, for sure. Uh, we're <laughs> like 15 minutes in. But just just one quick thought uh, with what you said is, um, this is a little bit broader topic, but whenever there's a crisis in the faith, in the church, the church usually defines something or brings about a council or like God usually throws something. Um, God guides with the holy spirit guides the church um to some sort of outcome anyway so just like looking back at the history of the church you have 
Arianism in the church, and then you have the Council of Nicaea that defines who Jesus is, that he's the, the uh, hypostatic union, that he's fully God and fully man as a response to a heresy in the church. Anyways, we could go through this age by age and see how God provides for the church in times of confusion. Mystical theology, mystical prayer, I think, and not everyone would agree with me on this, but I think that was an answer to the Reformation. The Reformation being the time when Luther said, the church doesn't know what she's doing, uh, indulgences, different things that um, it seemed like the church was living for the sake of the world mm-hmm. was kind of his, one of his critiques. Uh, that was what, 1500s? And then later that in that century and then the next century, you have some of the greatest mystics of the church, St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, St. John of Avila, these, uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola, these great Mystical theologians, mystical life, spiritual life, mystical spiritual theology that gets developed out of that. And I would argue that's a response to the tragedy of the Reformation, where these great prayer um, methods, if you will, had kind of flowed from that. Now, again, I think a lot of people would disagree with me on that because there have been traditions in the church of mystical prayer throughout the millennia, uh, even the Desert Fathers going away to be in silence with the Lord. But I say that as like, I think the church was in crisis through the Reformation and this was a, a, a response that God gave us for that, to bring new life into our prayer. Anyways, uh, so that's that. But uh, what we wanna talk about today, the prayer that we did as a staff is called Lexio Divina, mm-hmm. which developed from the monks, um, in kind of the early monastic period. And Lexio Divina... What is the monastic? What did you just say? The monastic period, so (laughs) monks, uh, monasteries, okay, kind of rose about, I think, 4th, 5th century, and then they really grew. The peak of monasticism, I want to say, was probably like 10th, 11th century. Okay. Um, We might get emails about this. I'm not the best historian. I just Um, have never heard that word. Monasticism. Yeah. So yeah, monasteries. You've heard of monastery. Yep, yep. Yeah. So just the monks, monasticism, they're all the same root, okay. I guess. Okay. Um but the the difference with like monks versus diocesan priests, if you will, monasteries, they go and live in the monastery for life. They never leave. Once you go to the monastery, you're there. And the idea, like think of Saint Benedict, Benedictine monasteries. St. Benedict, I think, was 6th century, 500s, and father of monasticism, he went away, built a big monastery, so you would go and live in a cloister where you never left, and you would just be there with the brothers, with the other monks, and you would pray for the rest of your life. Some of them were ordained priests for the sake of having mass at the monasteries, Uh, but the idea was that you would go away from the world in order to pray. Anyways, they had this tradition of Lexio Divina. Lexio Divina is Latin for divine reading. Dr. Tim Gray has a great book on Lexio Divina. I think, I'm pretty sure it's just called Lexio Divina um, or divine reading, um, praying with scripture. To give some context of this, Jesus in Mark 6, the apostles are going around, they're 
preaching the word. They're bringing the gospel, the good news to many different people. Uh, so Mark chapter 6, verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that, had, that they had done and taught. And Jesus said to them, come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a lonely place by themselves. Jesus says to them, come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest a while. I kind of want to frame this conversation with that verse in mind. Jesus inviting us, come away to a deserted place. Come away by yourself to just be with me and rest. This is usually the verse I always pray with when I start my silent retreats. First day, first night, I just take that out and just meditate on that. Come away with me to a, to a deserted place, to a lonely place. Jesus, I'm with you here alone. What is it that you want me to receive on this retreat? What's on my heart? And then I just start to bring to him all those things that have happened that I haven't thought to even bring to him yet, maybe because of busyness, maybe because of distractions. And it's like, oh yeah, there really is a lot that I need to take to you. There's a lot that's burning me right now. Um, so I'm going to pause there and then we can in a minute here get into more Lexio Divina. But do you have any thoughts or comments about all that? I thought it was funny. I mean, when you say uh, going back a little bit here, but in classic God fashion, providing a response, but you know, 150 years later, we get these mystics. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I always want God's answer now, yeah. you know, and it's, it's hard to find that patience. Uh, the other thing is you were kind of talking about this. And again, my scripture knowledge is an everyday process. Um, but as you started to say that, and I, I actually was not aware of that verse that you just read. Mm. Um, and FB and I talked about last week, um, Mark 7, 7, seek mm. and you shall find, knock and I will answer or whatever it is. Right. Um, and, uh, but in our, the prayer you did where you, where you guided us through um, Jesus walking on the water. Mm -hmm. And as you just kind of said that with Mark 6, um, it's interesting, I think, how common it is that Jesus always goes and finds isolation. Yeah. He did in before walking on the water right. and came back and then performed it um, in the desert. Like he's, it's kind of an interesting thing. I've never really thought about um, the power that's actually in scripture and the importance of mm. silent, silent prayer, prayer yeah. time. And, yeah, and, absolutely. And, you know, even at one point Jesus says, um, you know, don't pray like the pagans do, just babbling off different prayers. And that's one of the critiques Protestants will give to Catholics for like praying the rosary and stuff. Yeah. Are we just babbling these prayers and the repetition of just saying the Hail Mary over and over again? Totally. And uh, obviously the defense of that is we're not just babbling. The idea is that we're meditating on Jesus's life, the mysteries of the rosary through yeah. Mary's eyes. Mary, who is sinless, who is also the mother of God, who can take those things to Jesus, right. um, our petitions, our whatever, to, uh, to Jesus in a, in, a, in a powerful and profound way. So, um, yeah, these are all good questions. And I, I don't know, there's so many different ways to pray that we could take this conversation in many different directions. But without silent prayer, I think our prayer lives become stagnant. Totally. Silent prayer is very important. So Lexio Divina, I would argue, is a type of silent prayer. And Lexio Divina, divine reading, there's 
Uh, four, there's traditionally four different steps. Um, I like to add a fifth step. So just going through them real quick. The four steps would be Lexio, which would be reading. The next step would be Meditatio, which would be meditation. The third step would be Oratio or oration, so a dialogue with, with the Lord. The last step then, or the fourth step would be Contemplatio, contemplation. St. Thomas Aquinas defines contemplation as a tranquil abiding, just sitting in the Lord's presence, quietly abiding with him. No words need to be exchanged. The way, the image that I often think of with this is an old married couple sitting on a bench, looking out over and seeing a sunrise. They don't need to say anything to each other. Maybe they're even holding hands, but it's not like they need to turn and say, I love you, honey. They're just in each other's presence, abiding. They know each other's love wow, for one another. Powerful. Yeah. Okay. That's contemplation. We need to get there with God where we're just sitting with him and contemplating, being in his presence. And then the fifth step, um, so those are the traditionally the four of Lexio Divina. Oftentimes, um, we like to add a fifth step now called Resolutio, Resolution. Uh, what's the resolution that you would like to make from this per- prayer period? Is there something that you would like to change or do based on what you received in this Lectio Divina? So if we could just walk through this real quick, and then we can focus more on the Oratio, since that was the nature of your question. That's right. So Lectio, read the scripture, maybe one or two times. Uh, first read it through all the way, maybe a second time read it through, take a few minutes in between. And then the third time, as you read it, pay attention to what jumps out. Are there, wor- is there a word? Is there a phrase? It's easiest to do Lexio Divina with the Gospels because there's a lot of symbols and images, uh, images and the, you can really paint a scene. You can really imagine and picture a scene. So again, staff, um, Holy Hour the other day, we did Peter walking on the water. And so I led people into the meditation saying, now imagine, you know, there's a storm at sea. What do you see? What do you hear? Um, what is the storm like? Is it in the middle of the night? Is it in the daytime? Uh, are there birds flying? How big are the waves? Um, you know, so get your five senses involved. What do you see? What do you smell? What do you hear? And then um, what are your emotions? Like, are you fearful because of the water? Are you excited? Are you happy? Are you like, I love to sail. This is super fun. Is it like a roller coaster? I, I don't know. Like, um, allow your imagination to kind of take over and place yourself in the scene. And you do that as you read. And then as you're imagining this, what sticks out to you? And that kind of goes into the next step, which would be the meditation. And so the meditation, the word chew comes to mind. Chew on those phrases. Why are they sticking out to you? Chew on them. Jesus looks at Peter and says, um, you know, come out of the boat, come and follow me, take a step on the water. Um, why does that stand out to you? So chew on it, meditate on it, sift through it. Maybe repeat it to yourself over and over again, etc. And then after meditatio is oratio, so have a dialogue with Jesus. Um, and maybe we can just pause here and talk about this. The, the oration, the dialogue with Jesus is um, 
express to him what's on your mind. Like tell him about the meditation. Like Jesus, when you say to Peter, come and take a step on this water, that makes me nervous. I feel like I'm Peter and I feel like you're telling me step out of this boat. I don't want to step out of this boat. Allow him to respond. I want you to step out of this boat. I want you to come walk on the water. I want you to come follow me. But Jesus, I'm nervous. I'm afraid. I don't want to sink into the stress that I experience in my life. Will you trust in me? I will carry you through this stress. I will be with you and just have a dialogue with him. I think that's probably the hardest part. I think most people would say the contemplation, the next step is the hardest part. But it's hard to know how to have dialogue with God. I think it takes a little bit in prayer just to get there. We can never start with dialogue. We have to go through the lexio and the meditatio first. We want to get to the dialogue and ultimately the contemplation, but just have a dialogue with God. What's on your mind? What's on your heart? What are you feeling? Picture yourself in that, in that scene. Uh, what's going on around you? And allow those questions to come up. You reminded me right there when we were going through it and kind of what triggered me in that sense was um, you were um, in, I believe the Lectio portion, maybe the meditation portion, but you had said um, kind of what is the symbolic wave hitting you? It was kind of, it was something along the lines of that of um, while they're out at sea and the, and the waves and what are they like? Right. And as that came up, it, it triggered me to think, okay, these are the waves that keep hitting me mm. and, and they're hitting hard yeah. over and over again. And so then that's kind of, that's, that just reminded me, that is what triggered me to all of a sudden be like, I'm mad at mm. these waves. I didn't ask these waves to show up. I didn't, it's right. not my rowboat hitting these things, right. um, but somehow I'm on the <laughs> receiving end of it. Right. And, um, but I think you're right. I think it's, it's interesting how often I could be mad, grateful, sad, or whatever, and just try to like, because it's very, especially in the Protestant world, I was brought up um, with, I mean, the first book I read was Fathered by God Mm. uh, by John Eldridge. Yeah. And it's really powerful. And it's really just about making God everyday part of your life. Mm. And you're in the car, you're talking to God. And it's like kind of turning to God in that sense. And it it was great. um, But it's a totally separate experience than it is Alexio Divina, where it's yeah. um, that process and finding the scripture. The quick question I have for you here is where I get sometimes confused, especially with um, talking with that bee so much is um, sometimes it can be overwhelming or defeating of like his scripture knowledge. Right. Um, where it's like, man, when he reads scripture, he's like, well, yeah, this parallels you know, Genesis chapter two, and that's a wave that was formed by the breath of God. And now it's showing up in the sea or like whatever it is. Yep. And sometimes I'm like, man, can you really just sit down and read a passage? And yeah, what, what actually sticks out with you and not need to know um, all of biblical history to truly comprehend um, what's, or like to get something out of this, out of scripture. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can. And Maybe just one caution with that, though, is we still have to remember the church interprets scripture. So we're not interpreting scripture of like, what does this mean in the history of salvation? We don't want to do that in the sense of... Interesting, yeah. Um, because the, the church and 
the Pope, they interpret these things for us in the sense of um, when Jesus says, uh, this is my body given for you, is that a symbol or is that a literal understanding that this really is his flesh and his blood? Okay. So I can't just go and read scripture and like pick it apart and read it out of context and think whatever I want about it. So we always have to remember there's a medium, an objective medium by which Christ mediates. Whatever, whenever there's a mediator, there has to be a medium. Christ is the one true mediator between man and God. The church is the medium by which Christ mediates. This might be, sorry, if this is a little heady or a little confusing, uh, but I get really passionate about this because a lot of people go and read scripture and they say, well, God told me to go and move to the middle of Antarctica and whole provide for me. And it's like, okay, maybe God did tell you that, but like, what does the church think about this? Like, Jesus has a medium by which he's doing this. And there's an objective authority to the church that we have to have this through. And so a better example would be, I was reading scripture and God told me to go and start a new church because it seems like in this passage of John or whatever, the Catholic church is completely wrong on. So I'm going to go and start my own church now. No, that, don't, that wouldn't make any sense. God cannot contradict himself, and he's right. given us the objective authority of the church. Okay. So where I do want to go into, so that's the caution. The beautiful part of this, though, is we don't have to have every knowledge of Scripture in order to read Scripture, right? There's different ways to approach Scripture, and Lexio Divina is a much more prayerful way. How is Jesus speaking to me through the Scriptures right yeah. now in this passage? And one of the ways that he speaks to us is um, because it's the living word of God, it's alive. It pierces the heart. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's a living, which means it's still alive today. These words can still impact us. And so when you're reading the scriptures, allow Jesus to ask those same questions that he asked the um, apostles, that he asked the crowds. Uh, who do you say that I am? Like this, this is probably a fun example as well. Um, when Jesus turns to his disciples and says, who do people say that I am, right? They're just like, oh, Elijah, some say John the Baptist, etc." And then Jesus says, no, 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 who do you say that I am? And he asks them personally. And it's like, okay, have I ever allowed Jesus to ask me that? Father Sean, who do you say that I am? And it's like, oh, yeah, Jesus, who are you to me? Um, we can have these dialogues with God, but we have to allow the scripture to come alive for to us. Bring us there. Right. Wow, that's powerful. Okay. I don't know. Am I making this more muddy or am I... No, I think it it's true. It's a, the one thing I'm thinking is I need to figure out how to like create... I always... I've said it on here a million times, but I use uh, the Dominican sisters for my rosary. Mm. And man, it'd be awesome to have like a Father Sean audible 10-minute like, okay, read the scripture and kind of guide you mm. through it. I mean, that was to yep. what you said. It... it the, the holy hour that we did really made it impactful in that moment right. about the scripture and what it meant in that moment. Right. And I didn't need to know a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't need to know all the backstories and this and that, but it really was like, I started to reflect on those waves. I yeah. started to reflect and put myself in that boat right. and really kind of for the first time ever actually feel the scripture mm -hmm. versus just kind of cool. 
Jesus went all Bruce Almighty and walked on the water. That's fantastic. That's funny. You know, um, yeah, yeah, it was it was super powerful. Mm. But then it that leads to the what sort of I guess are any emotions off limit Mm. in number three? Yeah, in in the oration. Yeah, yeah. oration. Um, Good. One thing uh, to preface that and to add back to what we were just saying is um, the catechism on the. Right there's four pillars, four parts of the catechism. The fourth part on prayer says, "Pray as you can, not as you ought." Pray as you can, not as you oh. ought. And I think sometimes we get this, you know, I I should be praying like this. I should be doing this. I'm never going to be able to pray with scripture because every time I talk to Father Brian about it, he's like quoting ten different authors and how it all <laughs> interprets and this and that. And it's like. Okay, you know, like, I'm not going to be able to do that. But pray as you can, not as you ought. Um, oh, I've, ne- I've actually never heard that. Yeah, and I just think it takes a huge pressure off of us. Um, the Holy Spirit guides us in prayer. Always pray for the Holy Spirit's assistance. Um, especially when you're doing things like this, because when we use our imagination, the enemy can easily get in there and influence mm. our imagination in different ways. Yeah. Uh, so it's always important to call on the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, guide my prayer. Uh, be with me. Give me peace in this, um, et cetera. Um, and so that frames it with regards to, well, then what emotions do I bring forward? And you ask the question of like, can I just tell God, like, why are you doing this, God? Like, why am I going through this? Why am I suffering through this? I think those are absolutely uh, really important to ask. And I would say, no, there is no emotion off limits in prayer. We should tell God when we're angry, when we're frustrated with him. And I think that's a huge maturation process we all need to take in our prayer at one point. Telling God, why are you frustrated? God, why did you give me these crosses to suffer? Why is my mom suffering? Why is my friend suffering? Why is this person suffering? Um, we all have those questions. We all have those things that we are probably angry at God for. And I think it's okay to go to him and express that anger, maybe even yell at God at times. Um, but do we still take the time for God to respond then? We can ask him all that's, those questions. That's the, yeah. And then we, do we allow him to respond? And I think the best example of this in scripture that comes to mind right now is the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. Jesus goes into the garden. Father, let this cup of suffering pass from me. I don't want to suffer this. Please, I beg you, why are you making me suffer this? Why, are you, why do you want me to suffer this? Father, take this from me. And then he's like to his apostles, like, I just want you to be with me. Like, I'm at my, the worst of my suffering right now, and you're falling asleep. Yeah, like, cool, man. Just, Thanks for the backup. Right, just <laughs> one hour. Just stay awake with one hour, you know? And they can't. Um, you know, they probably had too much wine at the Last Supper, and they're totally, tired. Totally. So. Um, yeah, you know, so I think that's a good example in scripture. Um, Jesus is suffering. He's, he's angry at the father, I would say, but in, in a non-sinful way, of course. And we have to remember that, but, uh, at the end of the prayer, what does he say? Not my will, but your will be done. So he still surrenders it to the father. And so I think the immature thing is to go to God and say, why is this happening? I need answers. Why are you making me suffer? The mature response is to say, God, I'm suffering this. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. What are you teaching me? Instead of why is this going on? What are you teaching me through this? 
which is really hard to say and really hard to do because um, suffering's not easy. Being angry at God is not easy. Why am I frustrating? Or why am I frustrated? Why am I going through all these things? God, what are you teaching me through this? What are you teaching me that the fact that I'm totally sleep deprived because Gianna can't get more than three hours of sleep at a time <laughs> and she wakes up every three hours throughout the night or whatever. What are you teaching me through this? Probably patience and probably charity, yeah. long suffering. Um, but to answer your question, you're in the boat. The waves are crashing on the boat. Jesus comes and calms the storm, but it's like, Jesus, why are you allowing all these things to crash upon me? That's right. Why are all these waves? Why do I have all these storms in my life? And absolutely, we should tell him that. We should tell him our emotions. We should express all these things to him. And the reason why is because just like any other friend, you know, Steph, for instance, your wife, if you're going to have a healthy relationship with her, you have to express what's on your mind, what's on your heart. Right. Tell her what's going on. And then you guys have dialogues with that. You know, she would tell you when she's frustrated with you and vice versa. And that leads to a more healthy relationship. If we're true, truly, if we truly desire a deep relationship with Jesus, we need to tell him these things. Jesus, this is frustrating me with me. This is annoying. This is, you know, whatever's going on. And, uh, but again, just as if you express that to Steph and you allow Steph to respond, when you express this to God, we need to allow God to respond as well. That's a huge step. Right. Like for me personally, that's the, um, you know, it's like the, uh, in relationships with significant other friends or whatever it is. And it's kind of like, um, there's a technique where it's, uh, you ask somebody like when they, when they vent to you, you ask, okay, what's my role in this? Do you want me to help with an answer or am I just here to listen? Yeah. Good point. And, um, oftentimes Steph just wants me to listen and every time I'll give her my form of an answer, that's wrong anyways. But um, it's really hard in that scenario. And I think for me, in my own practice, I'm very good at complaining right. to God. But you're right. right to sit back and then say, okay, what is the lesson? Right. And, you know, I joked, um, I joked about the 150 year later response and, and mystical prayer but sometimes that's that is the what you that's a patience piece for me. Something I definitely lack where I'm like, I want this now. Right. I feel like I should have this answered now. I feel like I should be able to not face this anymore. I feel like, you know, there's a lot. Um, you know, life's complicated. Yeah. But I think that is a, a huge curveball for me of mm -hmm. trying to just sit back and then let God respond. Yeah. And then if if you go through that and you don't hear it, do you go back to it later? Like if you know, if you walk away, like if you get to the contemplation, you get you do the oration, you kind of like, well, I didn't really hear much. You go to contemplation resolution, you're like, man, I don't really have much to reflect. Like there's not much to change because I don't think I got right. an answer in that. Is that something that okay, next next day, go back to prayer with it and kind of just keep molding the conversation, keep working with it? Yeah, I think I think there's different aspects to that question or to answer that question just cuz uh there's different there's different things we need to bring forward. Sometimes prayer is really dry and like like we're in the desert, like there's just no life in it. Yeah. And it's it's hard to pray. Other times it's like when I go to pray, everything is just like alive, right? So that would <laughs> totally. be like desolation versus consolation and 
the Lord allows us to suffer desolation at times, primarily to bring us closer to him. Um, and, you know, this could be a whole nother topic on a podcast, but say Ignatius of Loyola has his 14 rules of discernment, where he talks about how to discern who's talking to you, how we move through consolation and desolation in the spiritual life. What are some of the reasons for that? Um, so sometimes it's really difficult to enter into prayer. And so I, I can't necessarily answer like with definitive, with um, definitively how someone should move. Um, you know, if they're not getting the answer they want, should they move on or should they do a prayer repetition and continue to wrestle with that? Um, it's hard to know um, unless you engage, like this is why it's important to have spiritual mentors that we can ask these questions with. Yeah. Um, so like I go to spiritual direction uh, once a month and these are some of the questions that I'll ask my spiritual director. Like, you know, I'm really struggling with this aspect of prayer right now. Like, I don't know how to break through this and to have someone, right? Because otherwise it's just like me and my own voice and I can't get out of my head. That's right. If we talk to someone else about it, he or she can kind of speak into certain things. Um, a few years ago when I was on retreat, I was just so frustrated with God because um, I've been praying about something for about four years and like I just wasn't getting the answer uh, yet. Like God was just like completely silent about it. And specifically, um, not to go into too much detail, um, my one of my spiritual directors, he used to say, um, retreat is often a lot like going on your honeymoon. Uh, you don't want to share a lot of the details. Uh, it's just a very intimate thing like yeah. between me and God. So like wanting to respect that, uh, just to give a little insight here, I was particularly wrestling with my relationship with the Father, right? So the Trinity, it's easy for us to have a relationship with Jesus because he was human. We yep. know what he looks like, if you will, um, because he was human. Uh, a little bit harder to have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit and the Father. The Father is the source of the whole Trinity, though. And so I was just really wrestling, like, Father, I've been begging you for a deeper relationship for four years. Four years. And like, why aren't you giving this to me? Like, who are you? Like, I just want to know you. And um, the Monsignor Glenn, he was directing my retreat that year. He said, I want you to pray with Genesis 22, which is the scripture passage where Jacob wrestles with God. And he said, I want you to go wrestle with God. And that whole rest of the retreat, I was wrestling with God. It was like, God, just give me an answer, right? And Jacob, in that passage, um, wrestles with God. God um, causes his hip to fall out of place. And at the very end, he's walking, God's walking away. And Jacob says, wait, you need to bless me first. And Monsignor Glenn said, Sean, you just like wrestle with God and just say, I don't want to leave from this retreat until you bless me, until you show me the Father, show me who you are. And uh, he did, you know, uh, he did. And it took four years and it was really that wrestling over those four years of finally getting an answer. And it was a more beautiful answer than I could have ever expected and ever wished for, which was absolutely amazing. But it took a lot of wrestling and a lot of patience with God. So maybe that helps <laughs> a little no, bit. It definitely does. I think it's, you know, it's uh, it's been an interesting journey. I think um, trying to find a therapist lately and moving away from such like trying to find a Christian or Catholic yeah. therapist 
um, as you're talking about spiritual director and, and that impact someone can have that within three minutes can just hold up a mirror mm -hmm. and just say, look, I don't, I don't need to know all the detail. Like I could see, um, cause we often get so distracted and overwhelmed with everything. Kind of like a consultant coming into a business of just like, dude, why do you guys do it this way? <laughs> what, yeah. what are you doing? Um, but to to be able, it's it's amazing to hear you say that you know you use your spiritual director, mm -hmm. and then to have someone like that that you know someone like a sage like Monsignor, right. <laughs> um, right. it's so powerful. And to actually just reflect on that, I think that's what's so cool about the podcast too is to humanize priests. Mm -hmm. Of and um, obviously you were getting to that point um, a couple of years ago, but where you're at now and just knowing that it's like okay, it's. We're all <laughs> looking for that. Um, but it is an interesting uh, concept of a spiritual director mm -hmm. and just say like, this is, this is where I'm at. Yeah. And being able to dive into that. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, currently my spiritual director is Father Nathan Goble. Very wise. I don't know if he's a sage, but he's, <laughs> he's great. I, yeah, he's been a really good fit. Yeah, me. he's awesome. I love Goble. Um, wow. Okay, so you turn... so recapping on that so it is okay to go to god and because i've heard it before too and especially as you know a big emphasis of this podcast has been how do i get and explain to a lot of my you know previous life friends that are still my best friends but yeah. they are not catholic or maybe they were raised catholic and they've never really had good formation and they're confused and you know i had a buddy that when i one of my best friends <laughs> that uh when I told him I was becoming Catholic, his big go-to is he kept touching on the Spanish Reformation. Mm. And I was like, dude, I don't even know what the hell that is. Like, I have no idea what your gripe is, and, mm. and I have no idea how to defend the church in that stance. Um, so the, the ability to have this podcast and then turn around and just say, look, it's, here's what Father Sean, here's what Father Brian, here's what Father Weetold said, that just, I can't give you the cliff notes of the Lexio Divina. So here, take this. But I've heard it a lot, and there's a lot of frustration with God, especially in the world today, where yeah. very confusing time. What are we doing? How can all this be happening? Right. Um, so the ability to just say, like, yeah, you can have that dialogue with God. Yeah. But most importantly, to your point, is let him respond. Mm -hmm. Don't just throw something against the wall and walk out. Right. Which I've done. Uh, <laughs> like. Right. But to just process it and be there with it. And then diving into the contemplation and resolution part of hearing what he had to say and, and making that change in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. And yeah, completely agree. I think uh, it's, it's the both, like you said, allowing God to respond, but also, and again, the immature response is God, why are you doing this to me? But the mature response is, God, what are you teaching me through this? And that's painful because, um, again, we don't like to suffer. But I think, I, think the, I think those can be the two takeaways from the podcast today. Yes, you can tell God your emotions. You're frustrated. You're angry. And you, you ought to tell him those things if you're serious about a relationship with him. Um, and then secondly, allow God to answer with your heart open to what are you teaching me through this? Oh, it's brutal though. It is. Brutal. It's brutal. It is. I think to your point, no one wants to suffer, but it's, uh, it's often one of those things you look back and you're so grateful for it. You know, like 
I think that's that's been the interesting part too of looking back of like I know everything I had to go through everything to meet Steph and marry Steph mm-hmm. and to have Gianna. Yeah. But I also like, man, couldn't you just couldn't you made a nice easy road to get there? Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. But you have to have that faith. Mm-hmm. Um, which is telling you, you know, I I had said it to you before we started this podcast, but you know, one of the readings in my wedding wedding was Romans eight twenty eight. Right. And Coach Cabral up at CU taught me it and and I went to him as I was not and I didn't have any faith in my life. Mm-hmm. And he just gave that to me to yeah. just kind of like kind of reassure me that there's a bigger plan. Mm-hmm. Um but in the moment, especially when you're in the thick of something, it is really hard to just let that kind of be your North Star. Yeah. And not try to control something, not try to like force something to happen where you're just like, I want to know what the picture is. I don't want to just bank on the fact that 10 years from now, all of a sudden I'll wake up and be like, oh, now I get why you put me through that. Mm. Um, but again, I think it's uh, me battling the um, immature phase of prayer and, and still trying to figure it out and then diving into that mature question of, yeah. what are you actually teaching me right yeah yeah i think that's true and also i think this is part of the human condition but also definitely in society today it's an on-demand society what we want everything right now we don't that's like right. to wait um there's a phrase i can't think of it right now um maybe it'll come to me later but yeah just this whole idea like we want everything now we want results now and oftentimes prayer we don't get what we want right away and we may never get what we want. God answers all our prayers, but maybe not in the way that we had hoped for, you know? Yeah. So it, it takes time, but you're right. Like, I hope we all look back at our life now and remember, oh yeah, that was like five years ago. It was one of like the hardest years of my life, but God was with me more than I could have ever expected. Like That's God right. was the reason why I got through that time. Yeah. You know, I think, and it's a society we live in of, you know, every sort of marketing is the quick fix. Now right. we're here to solve your problems like this, that instant gratification, mm-hmm. um, that unfortunately is so counter Christianity, right? Um, even silence and prayer, you know, like that is, I think in the secular world, you dive into like the meditation and whatnot, there, there is a push for it. Correct. But if you look at people, um, you know, I was kind of look at like the Dwayne Johnson mm-hmm. scenario of like he, the sweat equity and this and that, where he's just like always going. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's a weakness to taking a break yeah. and, and to, you know, the greatest person we've known is Jesus. And to say, look how many times he went off by himself. Mm. Um, I think that's pretty powerful for me today that I had never reflected on. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It is powerful. Ah, so good. Wow. Okay. So I also, um, I don't know, I I would just ask for prayers of anybody listening to this, um, for, I'm going to keep it kind of broad, but, uh, I think he put this out there. I'm not totally positive. I'm not very active on Instagram, but, um, Rosie Stefanik. I don't know her married name, but Chris and Natalie, their family, their daughter, Rosie, um, just say prayers, uh, for good health and, um, just be with them during this time. And if you know them, uh, give them a big hug and, um, 
Yeah. Any closing words? Um, one more shout out if I can slip Please it in at the end it. here. Today is Father Brady Wagner's 40th birthday. What? November 16th. Man, you know, I hope, I doubt he listens, but um, Steph, every time she sees him, because he was at CU, I think, with her. I forget what, I forget what the connection was. Yeah. Um, she automatically cries. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Right. Like she just starts tearing up every single time she sees him. It's the best. That's awesome. Yeah. So happy birthday, Father Brady. That's right. Great 40 man. years old. Man, that's a big one. Here we are. It's not quite as old as Father <laughs> Brian, but that's right. <laughs> but it feels old. <laughs> that's right. Oh, Father Sean, thank you. Um my pleasure. And I I really appreciate the uh the wisdom in this. And I also appreciate you um not quizzing me on things that such as what happened in in genesis 22 instead you just kind of dove into it and i really appreciate that about you yeah well thank you it's always a joy to be on the podcast encouragement to everyone out there don't be afraid to pray um yeah it's impossible to grow in relationship with the lord unless we're praying so keep prioritizing um yeah you can never outdo god in generosity be generous to him and he responds uh, even more generously Well, thank you. Email us rant at lordsdenver.org and uh, like us, share us with your friends, pass us on and help us get the word out there. We're making just unbelievable traction on this podcast and uh, we're actually approaching the one year mark. So it's, it's been a wild ride. That's great. Of chaos. And I have no idea how we're still doing this, but anyways, uh, thank you guys. And we will talk to you. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving.